kingdom of God. We found out also that there's keys to the kingdom. There's laws that govern the kingdom. We talked about the law of love. Then we talked about the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. And today we want to talk about another one of these laws that governs the kingdom of God. Now, remind you, these are not laws like that will get you in trouble like driving too fast in the speed limit, in the speed zone, uh, or, or stealing or killing. But they're laws that work every time when we put them to work, when we do something with it. Now, uh, I've, got a, I've got a statement that I want to make, and I want you to listen close so I won't be misunderstood. All these things and stuff about faith that I've been preaching here for all these years at Victory Fellowship does not work. Now, if you'd have been a CNN reporter, you'd have jumped up and run out and put it on cable and you wouldn't listen to the rest of it. And you would put out that Pastor Carroll's denying the faith teaching. But I wanted to get your attention and I did. See, it don't work. Just because you hear it, even though Romans ten seventeen says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. It don't work just because you say it. Even though Mark eleven twenty three says, Whosoever shall say to this mountain, Be thou removed and cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. So uh, for faith to work, for faith to work, it has to be put into action. To say that you have faith is one thing. And we need, to, we need to have faith. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not putting down faith in the faith teaching I've done. But we've, we've got faith. We know the principles. We know what the Bible says about these things. But it seems like that there's an element missing because we're not putting that faith to work like we need to. Faith without works is dead. Well, we, we get afraid of the works thing. Well, you know, about works, I don't know about that because we can't earn it. I'm not talking about earning anything, okay? I, I can't earn nothing. You can't earn anything either. It's not that we earn anything at all. Folks, I, I, a couple of Sundays ago I made this statement. I'm not doing what I'm doing to try to earn something, Okay? I'm not doing what I'm doing to try to keep something. I'm doing what I'm doing because I got something. You see the difference in that? That's what makes the difference. I, I want to work because I've got salvation. I want to work because I'm in faith. I'm not working to try to stay in faith. I'm not working to try to get in faith or try to get in grace or to stay in grace. I'm working because I've got faith and I'm in grace. But faith without works is dead. James tells us that being alive. What we want to talk about this morning, Romans chapter 3, verse 27, it labels the law of faith. And, and in it he says, where is boasting then? What am I going to boast about? Something I've done? Hey, listen, David Carroll in himself has done nothing. Not a zero's out, no, th- no thing at all. Where's boasting then? It's excluded. By what law? Of works? No. But by the law of faith, the law of faith. You say, no, wait a minute. If it's not works, 
and it's faith, and faith's got to have works, I don't understand. Well, the works that he's talking about here is going through a motion and doing lifeless things just to show that you have some form of righteousness. That's the law of works. Law of works is things that you think up yourself, things that you want to do yourself, things that you think, if I do this, I'll look good. If I do this, I'll impress God. If I do this, I'll, I'll be able to, to, you know, people will look at me and, and they'll think all good things about me. If I do this, I can earn my way, and after a while, God's going to be pleased enough with me that He's just going to bless me anyhow because of all this stuff I do. That's the law of works. But what I'm talking about is the work of faith is that we take the faith that we have and we begin to believe to the point that we put it to action instead of just saying, I've got it. I've got it. It'd be like this. I believe God to be debt-free. But then I, I, everything I buy, I buy on credit. Believe in God that I can pay it. Well, as long as you buy on credit, you're never going to be debt-free. If you want to be debt-free and you're believing God for that and want to live according to Romans 13, 8, oh, no man, nothing but to love one another, then there comes a point in time when in that faith you begin to give according, as he says in his words, you give tithes and offerings, and then the next step of faith you do, the next thing you do is quit buying on credit and believe God for the finances to do it with. You, you see, that's, that's pretty simple, isn't it? And it's, and it's that way in, in so many things. If, if, you've got a, if you've got a habit that you want to quit, you don't cut down on it, you quit. And that's your step of faith that you do. And Well, isn't that a work of the law? No, it's not because under the law it wants to keep you there, keep you in bondage and keep you bound down and keep you from receiving the things that God has for you. So I want to, I want what, see, faith is a fact. But faith is also an act. If we don't begin to put something with it, then all it is is just a fact. The woman with issue of blood. Let me just give you this for an example. The one, she, she said, if I can just touch the hem of this garment, I know I'll be made whole. Now, she could have stood right there by that roadside and said that till Jesus was hung on the cross, till he was resurrected, till he ascended into heaven, till the day of Pentecost come, and until Paul established his first church in Antioch. She could have still been saying it if she was alive, and she never would have been healed because her faith was, if I can just touch the hem of his garment. But when she's made that statement of faith of what she believed, she began to push herself through that crowd and got to where she could touch his garment. And when she did, she was made completely whole. Bartimaeus, if if he, he could have he could have sat back down when they said, shh, shh, don't don't get so loud. It's just Jesus. He could have just sat back down and sat right there and died blind. But he wouldn't do it. He he put action to his faith. This is what I believe, and this is what I'm going to see. Now, as we think about that, there's a, there's a real good illustration of this kind of thing. It's found in King Jehoshaphat in Second Chronicles chapter 20. And I want us to look at this and, and get an idea of this law of faith, how it works, so that we can know that faith works every time and, and, and that we put it to work. Here's the thing about it. Faith don't work unless you put it to work. 
Now, Jehoshaphat was a godly king. If you want to go ahead and turn in your book to 2 Chronicles chapter 20, or your device, whatever you want to do with it, uh, Jehoshaphat was a godly king. And he, he was a descendant of a godly king, good King Asa. Now, Asa went astray in the latter part of his life. But you know, Asa, as I was looking back in this thing in Chronicles, he had appointed teachers to go to different towns to teach them the Word of God. Well, he died. He got a little some disobedience, and he, he died. Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat, rather. I, which, way, which way y'all like better, Jehoshaphat or Jehoshaphat? Jehoshaphat. Okay, we'll go with Jehoshaphat then. If I say Jehoshaphat, correct me, right? Jehoshaphat. Well, Jehoshaphat then took over as king as a young man, walking in the ways of David, walking in the ways of his father, and, and endeavoring to be a godly king. Now, the only flaw that he had, he went up to King Ahab and joined in league with King Ahab in a battle against the Word of God. And Ahab, that's the battle that Ahab got killed in. Well, Jehoshaphat came back, and as he was coming back, the prophet met him and told him, said, you've not done exactly right here. So he repented of that. Now, something else that I want you to think about as we go on through this, Jehoshaphat had a great army. And this little, little nation of Judah which actually is smaller than what Israel is today, and all of these towns round about it. He had soldiers in each one of these towns. And as you look in Second Chronicles chapter 17, you'll find as you read this that, that he had a tremendous army. Now, I, I, we're going to look at this. See, and he had much business in the cities of Judah, and the men of war, mighty men of valor were in Jerusalem. And these are the numbers of them according to the house of their father. Of Judah, the captains of thousands. Ad- Adna, the chief, and with him mighty men of valor, 300,000. That's a pretty good sized army in itself right there, isn't it? And next to him was Jehoahan, the captain, and with him 200 and four score thousand or 280,000. Now you add it up, that's 580,000 that he's got now. Amasai, the son of Zikri, who willingly offered himself unto the Lord, and with him 200,000 mighty men of power. Now we're up to 780,000 soldiers. And of Benjamin, Elida, mighty man of valor, and with him armed men with bow and shield, 200,000, 980,000 we got to now. Just, we're just 20,000 short of a million. Well, that's not all. And next to him was Jehoshaphat, who had an hundred and four score thousand ready prepared for war. That's 180,000. So that adds up to being, he had a 1,160,000 soldiers, if my addition is anywhere close to being right. Now, what that tells me is that sometimes what we have now is not enough for what we've got to do. You get that? What I have now it's not enough for what I've got to do. The things that God wants us to do in our church, what we have right now, is not enough for what God wants us to do. The battles that I'm facing right now, what I have is not enough for what I want to do, for what needs to be accomplished. The finances I have right now is not enough finances for what I need to get accomplished. What I have now, what you have now, is not enough to accomplish what God wants to do in your life. 
So think about that. He had a 1,160,000 soldiers at his deploy. Well, this thing gets bad. As you come on to chapter 20, you'll find that in chapter 20 of Second Chronicles, let me get over here with y'all. I told y'all to turn and I didn't. He come up facing a desperate situation. Because now coming against him were to fight and to overtake them were the children of Moab, the children of Ammon, and with them others besides, and that simply means that those of Mount Seir. Now here's something that we, we need to notice. These people that were coming against Jehoshaphat were relatives to the Jewish people. Because you remember, you go back, you remember Lot was Abraham's nephew. You, you remember that? And how that Lot went down to Sodom, Gomorrah, and fell into their ways, and then God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, but got Lot and his two daughters out. Well, after they got on over there in the mountain, the two daughters, you, you remember that story, how that they, they got into this mindset that they, didn't, they, got, they left Sodom, but Sodom didn't leave them. And they said, all the world's destroyed, and if we're ever going to have children, we're going to have to have them by our father. So, born of this incestuous act that these two daughters caused Lot to commit, one of them's name was Moab, which is the father of all the Moabites. And another one's name was Ben-Ami, who is the father of all the Ammonites. So, the Moabites, the children of Moab, and the children of Ammon here, were relatives to the Jews. Now, because of their lineage, they were all ungodly people. According to any kind of ancient history, they were all ungodly people because that's how the whole thing started. And their purpose was to come and to wipe out the people of God. Now, Mount Seir, which is the other ones that was with them, the children of Mount Seir, was Edom. And Edom was the descendants of Esau. Uh, Esau was the one that, that uh, denied God, turned his birthright, tried to kill his brother, and, and all of these things. And, and so these people were the descendants of that. Not only that, but Esau married a daughter of Ishmael. And you say, now what's all this got to do with anything? Well, it's got this to do with it, folks. Just like today, the forces around Israel are trying to destroy Israel. That's been an ongoing thing. It's not something that happened with the Romans. It's not something that happened in our day and time. Uh, after 1948, when Israel was established a nation, they've always been against them. But when we look at this thing spiritually speaking, I want you folks to know that Satan is at war against you. He's coming against you, and there's nothing good about it. There's nothing, you think, you get up one day and think, well, boy, I tell you what, I got it made pretty good today. The devil must have took a day off. I'm here to tell you, brother, this, he ain't never took a day off, and he's never going to. He is, he is a, a raging enemy that is set out to completely overcome you, and the only way you're going to be able to stand, and the only way you're going to be able to overcome him is to begin to apply faith, the principles of faith in your life, and let faith work so that you can have the victory and gain the victory like you need to gain. Now, as you come on down to verse 3 of chapter 20, you'll find that it says, And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaim the fast throughout all Judah. 
Well, naturally, fear came upon him. And you think, no, wait a minute, preacher. He's got 1,160,000 soldiers plus those that are out. This is just ones that was in and around Jerusalem, plus those that were out in those cities out there. And no telling how many they were. And here he's afraid of these three armies. Well, it must have been some big armies with some big guerrilla warfare that was going on. But regardless of the size that it was, it caused fear to come upon Jehoshaphat. Now, you know, I, I don't think that we need to run around trying to be afraid of this and afraid of that, and, and, but fear is going to come sometimes. And sometimes fear can be a healthy thing. Not every time it comes, but sometimes fear can be a healthy thing because it will move you to prayer. And that's what happened with Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat. You see, uh, over in the, in, the, in the Hall of Faith, in Hebrews chapter 11, it says that Noah moved with fear, built an ark for Sam. He moved because he knew that God was able and that God would do what God said He would do. But fear can be a good thing, but if you walk in fear too long, it will begin to paralyze you and grip you. If that fear, that sudden fear that comes on you, moves you to God and to call on God, then, then that's, that's good. That's a, a positive aspect of that fear. But so many of us, we just let it build up and build up and build up and build up and build up until we're afraid of anything, afraid of everything, any report that comes, anything that anyone says or does. Fear, it causes fear to get into our heart and life. See, fear led him to pray. And as he began to pray, verse 6 says that he recognized God. Now, folks, I'm telling you, there's people today that are facing situations that only God can handle. And you need to begin to recognize God in the situations. Recognize God in the circumstances. And that's what he did. Now listen to what he said. And he said, O oh Lord God of our fathers, Lord God of our fathers, art not thou God in heaven? And rulest thou not over all the kingdoms of the heathen? And in thy hand is there not power and might, so that none is able to withstand thee? You know, Pat mentioned something about if God's able to make everything that He did, then can't He take care of us? Sure He can. He will. But just think about that for a minute. Folks, God made this whole universe. He didn't just make the earth. The earth is just a tiny part of all the creation of God. Now, it's the bright part of God's creation. It, it's, the, it's the apple of God's creation. Not only is the earth the apple of God's creation, but the people that God put on this earth are the apple of God's creation. And look at it. Everything that He made, He made it for man. Everything He made, He made for you and me. He did not withhold anything that He had made from Adam because He said to Adam, I give you dominion over all of this. It's all yours, Adam. Just walk through it. Possess it. Have, have dominion over it. Tell it what to do. Tell it when to come, when to go. And, and, and But so... God is able to do this. He's made stars. There's stars out there, folks, just because God spoke that in place. There's stars out there that you could put this earth in and it would look like a tiny speck of dust on a big black screen to where you could barely see it inside these stars. And so, you know, we need to realize God in heaven, and He's not only God in heaven, but He's God on the earth. Not only is He great big... Let me, let me illustrate this. Several years ago, I've, I've shared this with some of you, but several years ago when the children were all still at home, 
We, we went to the Space and Rocket Center over in Huntsville. And I never forget it. Went up a flight of stairs and standing there, and they had this big mural on the wall up here of the universe. I mean, it just looked like it was you looking at it the way they had it. it. It just seemed like you could just see forever. The more you looked, the deeper it would get. That's what it appeared to me. And I looked at that thing, and I thought, God, look at what you've done. This whole universe, it is so big and vast and, and marvelous, and it was a blessing to me down in here. Well, a few days later, we went to Chattanooga and went to Ruby Falls. And we got down in there, and I made it through the tight man squeeze, got down into the dark part, and got, it, got down in there where the waterfalls was at. If you've ever been there, you know what I'm talking about. And we got in there, and they turned the lights off. And then they started playing this loud music. It sounded like it come from, uh, I don't know what, 2010, whatever the name of that movie was, you know, boom, boom, boom. And it was going on. And, and then all of a sudden they started bringing up these colored lights on that water. And folks, right in the middle of that, I had me a shouting spell. Because I thought back about God made the universe. I said, but God, you made this so that one day I could come down here and see right in the heart of the earth what you've done and, and the glory and the majesty in it. And it helped me know that, folks, God is the God of the universe, but He's a God of this earth. And he's not only a God of this earth, but He's a God for David Carroll today just like He is for you. Amen? Give the Lord a hand clap. Thank you, Lord. Now, in verse 7, He said, God, art not thou our God? You're not just God. You're my God. My God. He said, our God, and then he began to rehearse what God had done. He said, you drove out the inhabitants of this land before Israel and gave it to the seed of Abraham thy friend forever. So he began to rehearse this. And, 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 and you know, there's times that you and I need to stop. And like the old song says, we need to count our blessings instead of counting our sorrows. Don't we do that too much? Oh, this is going on and that's going on and i got all of this, this problem, this bill's due, this thing's taking place, this situation's come up, this person's mad at me, work ain't working and, and you know, and, and school ain't schooling and, and, and whatever we're doing, it just and we rehearse these things over and over. Folks, we need to start thinking about what God's done for us in our lives. If we're going to have faith and see faith work, then we're going to have to begin to look at the good things that God has done for us. David, whenever he was confronted with his men, going to stone him because of the, their town was burned and their wives and children were taken hostage and, and, and kidnapped. And he sat down, and in the midst of all of this, it says, and David encouraged himself in the Lord. I believe David looked back to a time when, just as a 17-year-old boy, that he walked out in that valley of the shadow of death and said, I'll fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff. And then he come back with the head of the giant because he'd killed that thing. Time and again, he, he rehearsed how that God had blessed him and God had brought him to that point. And folks, I'm here to tell you today, every one of us has got a testimony of the grace and the blessings of God in our life. And that's what we need to be rehearsing before God instead of sitting there crying about how bad and everything is. I know, I know that it, it's popular to talk about how bad things are. I hear songs about it all the time. Now, now, I'm not talking about just country songs. 
And I'm not talking about just Southern Gospel songs. I'm talking about contemporary music songs. Talking about how bad that everything is. And folks, when we look at it, things are bad. But I'm here to tell you today, in in spite of everything, regardless of how bad it is, I can still look up to say today, and I can say to you, and I can say before Almighty God, it is well with my soul. It is well. Hallelujah. Because, listen, the things that has happened can't determine and define who I am. And the things I'm facing are not bigger than my God. They may be bigger than me, but they're not bigger than my God. He said, God, I know what you've done in the past, and I know you'll do it again. Now, here's something you need to get a hold of. What God has ever done, God will do again. You need to get this in you and let it live in you. You ought to say this every day when you first get up, and chances are most of you won't tomorrow, but I'm challenging you to. Remember, Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And Lord, I know what you've done in times past, how you've blessed me, and how you move. You're going to do that today for me today. And not only today, but you're going to do that tomorrow. And I'm going to walk in that faith that you're the same, that you still deliver, that you still lift up, that you still save, that you still heal, that you're still there for people. I know, Lord, that you're still God. What you've done before, you'll do it again. So we remember, remember this Scripture. In the morning when you get up, Ask the Spirit of God tonight before you go to bed to say, Lord, help me remember that Scripture. Hebrews 13, 8. Hebrews 13, 8. And then in the morning when you get up, get, if you don't know it, get your book and look at it. Get your iPhone or iPad and look at it. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's not going to change. He's still God, and He always will be God. Well, Not only that, but you come on down in verse 9. He knew his foundation. He knew what the Word said. You see, he he said in verse 9, If when evil cometh upon us as a sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we stand before this house and in thy presence, for thy name is in this house, and cry unto thee in our affliction, then thou wilt hear and help. He he knew where he stood. Folks, we we need to be enough in the Word of God that when we go to God, that we have word that we can stand on, that we have scripture that we can stand on, that we that we know what the word of God says, and and instead of just going and praying for whatever, we need to be specific. We need to we need to stand upon that. See, the word of God's chainless. It's not going to change. It's infallible. It's victorious, and it will not fail because God's word is forever settled. That means it's established. It's sure. And it's good. And I'll tell you something else. God will answer prayer that's based upon His Word. Amen? Hey, I just looked at my watch, y'all. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm trying to make up for last Sunday, that 15-minute sermon I did last Sunday. I know some of y'all like that. but you know, I want you to get your money's worth. And some of you wasn't here, so you need to get it. <laughs> The Word of God. See, the greatest faith builder that we have is, thus saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. It is written. And this is what I stand on. This is what God has said. Folks, I'm telling you, there's been times that I've been reading the Word of God and it jump out to me and, and I'd underline that and I'd go back and look at it and, and see what it said. 
time and again. Why? Because that's what God was saying to me. And then there's been times that the prophets of God has come and stood and prophesied a word to me. There's been times that some of you people have said things and you, you didn't realize you were saying it, but you said things that just ministered to my spirit and I knew it was from God and I stand on that. And when Satan comes around and says it's not going to go, I say, thus saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. See, right now, Pat mentioned that thing about heart deal. Right now, I'm standing on that I'm healed, thus saith the Lord. Because he said, by his stripes ye were healed. Now, most of y'all know, i got to go Wednesday for a bunch of old tests. I don't think they're going to find anything. I mean, they'll find i got a heart. And they'll find it's not hard. Soft, pliable. i got to go for a bunch of tests. and uh, But I, I'm believing... Folks, I believe I'm healed. Why do I believe that? Because that's what God's Word says. You say, well, if you believe it, why are you going? To satisfy my wife and the doctor. (laughs) Sorry about that, honey. (laughs) Now, the next thing he did, he humbled himself. Verse 12, chapter 20, verse 12, he says, O oh, our God, will thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company. No, Jehoshaphat, look. You got over a million soldiers? You have no might? He knew where he stood. He knew what he had. And he knew that what he had wasn't enough to do what he needed to accomplish. We have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. Humility. He humbled himself. See, how many of you have a problem today that you can't handle yourself? We all do, don't we? That's what we're wanting. We're wanting some help. Give me something, preacher. Give me a word. With all respect to Pat and Gary, this is a word. And you need to get in it and dig it out. If all you do is go to church waiting for me to give you a word, then you're going to miss out on so much in life. I know people, I know people, that all they want is to go get before the man of God and the man of God give them a word from the Lord. Well, let me tell you something, folks. I believe I'm a man of God today, and I'm giving you a word from the Lord. It starts in Genesis and ends in Revelation. Now, now, let me say this. Somebody that don't know, Somebody that's weak, somebody that's young in the Lord, somebody that's not a Christian, we need to tell them. But I, there's no, I don't need to just stand and tell you time and time and time and time again you need to get in the Word for yourself and understand what God's Word says. You need to know it. The answer's there the, for the situation. But if all you're doing, you won't run off to some uh, uh, well-anointed prophecy meeting so you can get a Word from the Lord... You may get left out. There's nothing wrong with getting a word from the Lord, okay? I have. But a word from the Lord, when when a word of prophecy comes, it's, it's not to give you direction as much as it is to give you confirmation. And if you've not been dwelling on the Word of God and, and, and looking to God, and then a word come to give you confirmation of what God's dealing with you about, that could be a word come that might not necessarily be from the Lord and get you in trouble. Humility is simply realizing that you can't. 
but God can. You can't. I can't. I can't do it. But I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. But if Christ is not strengthening me, and I'm not trusting Him for that, I can do nothing. Right? Old song of the church. Without Him, I could do nothing. Without Him, I'd surely fail. Without Him, life would be hopeless. And I'd be drifting like a ship without a sail. Without Him. But there's some good news to that. But with Him, I can do all things. With Him, I will not fail. And with Him, my life is not hopeless, and I'm not drifting like a ship without a sail. With Him. With Him. With Him. See, humility, true humility, is not just running around, oh, I'm just so unworthy and I can't, and I don't know if God ought to bless me or not, and all that kind of stuff. No, true humility is saying, I can't do this. But God, I look to You, and I know You can. And as You strengthen me, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. We're like David. David told that giant, he said, God's going to deliver you into my hand. Then I'm going to take your head from your shoulder. But not till God delivers. I can't do this if God's not with me. If God's not the one doing it, I can't do this. I can't, I can't go out here and fight this battle. And you can't either. But folks, when you humble yourself before God, the Word of God says that when you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, that He will exalt you in due season. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 5 and 6 says, says this kind of thing to us. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. Clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, on the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time. Humble yourself before God. And that's what He, he did here as He come before God. See, Many people don't get the victory. And faith don't work in a lot of people's lives because of pride. Pride to keep you from loving like you ought to. Pride to keep you from, for, from forgiving like you ought to. Pride will keep you from seeking God like you ought to. Pride will keep you from believing God that God meets your need like you ought to because pride says, I can do it myself. Pride says, I've not done any wrong. Pride says, I'm the one that's been wronged. Pride says... And there's some people I love and some people I can't. And that's okay because God understands. Yeah, God does. God understands that you've got a heart full of pride and it's keeping you from getting the victory. Well, after these things, after he moved with fear, prayed to God, realized who God was and, and, and claimed him as his God and humbled himself before God, then God took over. You see, there's some things that you and I need to do if we want to see God take over in our life. In verses 14 and 15, Then upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaniah, the son of Jael, and the son of Mathaniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph, came the Spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation. Now, I often wondered why he listed all of these. Why couldn't he just say that, you know, prophet came upon this prophet Jehaziel and leave all the rest of these off? Every Hebrew name has a meaning. And, 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 and in these, one, one of these names means God watches. Another means, means God cares. Another means God gathers. Another means God sees. Another means God delivers. So what these people were hearing as this guy was standing there was that God sees, God cares, God hears, God gathers, and God delivers. So he had pretty good credentials going for him, you see. And he said, Hearken ye all Judah and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, thou, thou King Jehoshaphat, 
Thus saith the Lord unto you, Be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours but God's. Hallelujah. The battle is not yours but God's. See, God spoke then, and He's still speaking today. See, He's still speaking in situations and saying, Hey, look, it's my battle. It's my battle. You take it easy. See, when he turned and looked to God, and God spoke, trust drove out the fear. The faith, the belief drove out the fear. See, fear is nothing but courage beat up by doubt. Courage you may have when you begin to doubt. It beats up, it beats up that courage because of fear. And then courage is fear that's beat up by faith. When you turn that faith around and say, I know my God can, I know my God will, and you begin to quote Scripture, you begin to quote that Scripture, it turns that fear completely around and courage begins to take over. Now, I want you to notice, you say, oh, boy, preacher, I'm so glad you read that Scripture. Glad you got up on the board there, for the battle's not mine, it's God's. Hallelujah. That don't mean you can go home. That don't mean you can go sit in the dugout. That don't mean you can take the bench on the sideline. The battle is the Lord's. But then here on this earth, we need to be ready to stand and ready to fight. See, God has shown us what the devil's up to. Verse 17, You shall not need to fight in the battle. Set yourselves, stand you sealed, and see the salvation of the Lord with you. O Judah and Jerusalem, fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. Don't have to fear. You don't have to be afraid of it. See, he, in verse 16, I, I skipped that one. Sorry about that, Bo. Tomorrow go ye down against them. Behold, they come up by the cliff to Ziz, and you shall find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. See, that's what the enemy, where they was coming. Let me tell you what Satan's up to. It's real easy for us to understand. John 10, 10, he says the thief comes not before to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what Satan's up to. Against you individually, against your family, against our nation, against our church. He's come but for to steal, kill, and to destroy. That's all he's doing. But listen, Jesus said the counter to that is this. I've come that you might have life and that more abundantly. Then in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, he said this. He said, be sober, be vigilant, be, be awake, be watchful for your adversary, the devil. The adversary is one set against you. The adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, goeth about seeking whom he may devour. But then the next part says, but stand steadfast in the faith. Stand steadfast in the faith. Satan's going about as this roaring lion, trying his best to devour us, folks. He, God has shown us what the devil is up to. Listen, here, here's what I said a long time, that he's not, he's not trying to make, uh, uh, what he's trying to do is to make people uh, lost, sick, hurt, broke. But we need to stand and say, hey, look, I'm saved. I'm a child of God. And I'm not going to take your sickness, devil, because you've come to steal, kill, and destroy. I'm not going to take your poverty. I'm not going to take your defeat. I'm going to stand on the Word of God because Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have that more abundantly. Now, now, folks, we don't, if we don't get in the Word, 
the thing about it is, we could probably bring up most any subject and there'd be somebody in this room that would be a pretty well expert of it because we, we talk it a lot, we study it a lot, we look at it a lot. But what about the Word of God when we're off out there? What about, what about the time that you spend doing so many other things that you could be in the Word of God and not get caught off guard when something comes because you've got the Word of God in you? You've got it down in you. See, when we, when we begin to meditate, you can meditate on the wrong things or you can meditate on the right things. Meditating on the right things means that we believe what God said in His Word over what may be going on in our life. And that's what I spend my time meditating on. See, the devil is there putting thoughts in your mind of defeat. He's putting thoughts in your mind of, of loss, of hurt, of pain. All of these coming. And it takes the Word of God to, to battle against that and to overcome that. Well, but now then we want to go on. He put his faith into action. Faith into action. Verse 20, it says, And they rose early in the morning and went forth into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, so shall you be established. Believe his prophets, so shall you prosper. Believe. Believe the Word of God. Believe God. And you'll be established. Here the word established means that you'll be set on a foundation that you can't get knocked off of. Established that way. You know, Jesus said that he that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I liken him unto a wise man that, that dug deep and built his house upon the rock. And when the, the rains descended and the winds blew and the floods came, the house stood because it was founded upon the rock. It was established. He said, believe what God says and you'll be established. Believe what the people of God says, the man of God, and you'll prosper. That don't mean that you're going to, if you say, okay, Pastor, I believe everything you say, you're not going to walk out here and somebody hands you a million dollars. Now, if they do, you, you take a tithing envelope with you, okay? <laughs> but what I'm saying is this. Prosper means that you'll begin to do well in the areas of your life where you've not been doing well and the areas where you've been doing well will begin to exceed even that. That's what we're talking about when we're talking about prosperity. We're not just talking about your billfold getting fat. We're talking about every area of your life going on and moving forth. He said, do this. See, faith is a fact, but faith is an act. As they went forth, See, victory comes as you go forth. It's time that we begin to put some effort behind our faith. That's what our going forth is. Putting some effort behind it. If you, if you have faith to love people, then you need to begin to show that. You need to begin to walk in that. If you have faith to talk to people about Jesus, you need to begin to do that. And you say, I don't think i got faith to talk to people about Jesus. Well, the more you get the Word of God in you, the more you, time you spend with Him, the more, more faith that you'll have to do that because you'll begin then to have something to give and speak to that weary soul in the due season as you need to. Hebrews 11 and 6 says, we must act on what we believe. If you've read your little bulletin this morning, and I don't know if you did or not, a little handout, that's what that was about. But without faith, it's impossible to believe God. It's, imp it's impossible to please God. I quoted it wrong, wasn't I? Without faith, it's impossible to believe Him too. 
<laughs> it was right, right uh, song, just wrong verse. But anyhow, it says, Without faith it's impossible to please God. For they that come to God must believe that He is and that He's a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. I see some action words in that. Faith is not an action word. Faith is a noun. Am I right, Bobby? Am I doing good? Okay. All right. But I see some action words in that. Cometh to God. That's an action word. Believe is an action word. Believe that He is. Is is an action word. State of being. Am I right? Am I doing good? All right. <laughs> I brushed up on my English last night cause, so I can get this all done. All right. Must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder, an action word. Rewarder of them that diligently, action word, seek Him. Faith that pleases God is believing that He is and then doing something with that. Romans 10, 9 and 10. If I believe in my heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, that's good, but now I've got to do something with that, and that is confessing with my mouth that He's Lord. For with my heart I believe, but with my mouth confession's made. Folks, that's the law of faith. That's how faith works. Faith works by us saying what we believe in our heart. That, that may be the work that you need to do. And, and can I say this to you, and you still love me? We've been doing that anyway, the other way. We've been having doubt in our heart and speaking it. We've been having negativism in our heart and speaking that. And it's time that we begin to, to know what we believe and believe the, from the Word of God and begin to speak that. Speak that. Speak that. And quit rehearsing all the bad stuff, all the negative stuff all the time. In the world, in, 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 in your home, in the church, in your body, in your finances, begin to confess what God says about those things. That is pleasing Him. And, and, and diligently, diligently. That's, that's something that you do more than just every now and then. Diligently is more than just Sunday morning at church. Diligently is more than just Sunday and Wednesday. Diligently is every day I'm seeking God. I'm seeking God. I'm seeking God through prayer. I'm seeking God through His Word. And I'm seeking God through praise. And that's the last thing that I want to, want to bring about. Praise. Praise the Lord for the victory. Well, when I get it, I'll shout the victory. No, that's not what we're talking about. See, I love the song Victory in Jesus. But it, it ends with saying, some sweet day I'll sing up there the song of victory. Folks, that, that's, that's true and I'm going to. But I've got to have a song of victory now. I've got to have a song of victory in my life before that takes place. See, Jehoshaphat then, as we look in verse 21, and when he had consulted with the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord and that they should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army to say, Praise the Lord, for His mercy endureth forever. And you, you know the rest of that story, how that they went out and these the singers went out first and they were praising the Lord and the people over there, the children of Ammon, the children of Moab, and the children of Edom, they heard all of this going on and they began to kill each other and, and fight against each other and the ones that didn't get killed, they run off and left and it took Israel three days. It took them three days to bring the spoil of that back into Jerusalem, back into Judah. Why? Because they praised God. 
Now, this may be the thing that, that many people are lacking in their life, is praising God. Somebody say, well, preacher, I just don't have a singing voice to praise God with. You know, back in your bedroom, you're the only one in that choir. Have you ever thought about that? Riding down the road, you're the only one in that choir. And, and I want you to know, your voice, regardless of how it may sound to people, it sounds good to God because that's the voice God made you with and that's the voice God wants you with and God loves to hear that voice raised in praise to Him. And you don't have to sing. Read the Psalms. But praise God. Praise Him. Thank Him. Honor Him for what He's done and for what He's going to do. Thank Him for the victory now. Hey, if you need healing in your body, begin to thank God for healing in your body, for healing in your finances, healing in your home. Begin to thank Him for deliverance from, from habits and, and deliverance from things of this life. Begin to thank Him for that. Praise Him for that. Honor Him for that. And if you've got to get back in your back bedroom to do it, folks, God will hear you there as quick, if not quicker than He will in church whenever you're just here doing it with everybody else because you don't know about hearing you. They went out and began to praise. See, this is important. But you can't start here. You say, well, I'll just start praising God today and I won't mess with all that other. No, no, no. You're missing the whole point. If you're going to praise God, you've got to recognize Him as God. If you're really going to praise Him, you've got to recognize Him as your God. And if, you, and if you're really, really going to praise Him, you've got to recognize that God's able to do anything. Oh, God, I thank you. Wouldn't it be something to go for God? God, I thank you that you can do nearly anything. Almost. Lord, I, I know there's some things that you probably can't do. Oh, but I praise you. No, 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 no. God can do anything. And God can do anything you need in your life. And He will do anything. And then, if you really want to praise Him, humble yourself before God. And, and release the Godship of your life. Did you get what I said? Release the Lordship of your life into the hands of the God of the universe and the Lord of your, of your salvation. Release your lordship of your life into Him. Humble yourself. Believe what He said. Believe His Word. Stand on His Word. And then go forth praising Him. Praising Him. Honoring Him. Magnifying Him for who He is and what He can do. Folks, I don't know where you are in life. I don't know what might be where you may stand. But I'm here to tell you today, the law of faith works. This thing of faith works. That statement I made at the beginning was to get your attention. I can preach this and preach it and preach it and preach it and preach it. And you can listen to it and listen to it and listen to it until you can quote it as good as I can. But until we begin to put it to work, faith is not going to work and move in our life like it needs to. You may need Jesus in your life this morning. He said, if you confess with your heart, a mouth, believe in your heart, that you'll be saved. Maybe, maybe you've been saved and you need to uh, come back and rededicate your life to the Lord. His Word declares, not David Carroll, His Word declares, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to give us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Maybe you've got a need today, whatever that need may be. Maybe you just need to pray. Maybe you just need to look to God. But if you pray this morning, folks, Pray in faith. 